Welcome to the Creativity Algorithm Podcast, the show that helps people and businesses have good ideas more often. Now here is your host, psychologist, author, and public speaker, Joe Swope. I go to a gym. I go almost every day. I'm one of those early morning crew who get to the gym at 5.15. When people hear about that, I often get comments like, how do you do it? I could never get up so early. Please know, I'm not bragging, or pardon the pun, flexing about how productive I am. In fact, the reason I go every day at the same time is a reflection of my laziness. It might sound weird to frame routine, early morning workouts with laziness, but that's the truth. If I didn't make it a routine, I wouldn't go. I would find an excuse. Routine is the lazy person's way of getting things done. If I try to work out later in the day, I'm sure that I would find and think of hundreds of reasons why I can't go, why I couldn't go. By making it a routine, I take the decision out of it. Decisions take a lot of energy. The more routines a person has, the less decisions they have to make and the more energy they have for important things. As an example, nearly every evening, I pack up my gym bag and put it in the car. I set out my workout clothes so I can easily put them on at 4.55 a.m. I have my water bottle and post-workout snack on the counter. I do it the same way nearly every day. No conscious thinking required. Just go through the motions. In a later post, we'll discuss how I actually eat the same lunch every single day and have for about 15 years. That's me inside the gym, too. I have a fixed routine. I'm certainly not a physical fitness guru, and if you were to ever see me, that would become readily apparent. It's not like I have a physique that people want to have. But I know what works for me, and I know what works for me is to do the same workout over and over. Sure, I'll do minor variations, but those are thought of the day before. For me, early morning gym time is not a place for thinking. Well, it's not a place for conscious thinking. In fact, I got the idea for this episode while I was working out. It came to me while I was lifting heavy, or what for me are heavy weights, for you they might be nothing. The exact title of this episode came while I was putting a weight back on the rack. That's mindless work that I have done many, many times. I think you might see where I'm going with this. It was consciously mindless work. For me, deadlifts, squats, pull-ups, and bench press are relaxing. Nope. I'm not trying to give myself a compliment by saying I love lifting weights in some hyper-masculine, overly testosterone way. I'm not going to lie. I actually hate, hate, hate getting up early, especially on cold mornings, and repeatedly lifting heavy things. But as we all know, any workout that's worth anything must be physically uncomfortable. But that uncomfortable workout is also where I can relax. There is simply no way to worry about deadlines while you're doing dead lifts. Work stress, returning calls, emails, and even family stress and other distractions cannot make it into your mind while you're pushing yourself physically. It might seem counterintuitive to think that bench pressing is calming, but while you're doing it, your mind is not being burdened or cannot be burdened by anything else. For me, That is often the time when good ideas like to bubble up from my unconscious. Now, time out there. It's not when you're actually doing the exercise where a good idea is going to happen because 
your mind is going to be switched off during a sympathetic response. That's kind of the uh, fight or flight. And when you're really stressing your body, that's when your body's turned on and your conscious mind and your higher level functions are actually turned off. So for instance, adrenaline really kind of makes you dumb. So while a person's engaging and really pushing themselves in heavy workout, whether it's swimming or running or weightlifting or yoga or whatever it happens to be, that's not when good ideas are going to happen. But between sets, when a person's resting between the actual exercises, that's when good ideas happen. Notice I said the idea for this episode came when I was putting a weight back on, which is kind of rest time between the exercise. Often, when I talk about my gym routine, people make a connection. You know, they know I teach psychology. They know I'm a psychologist. And they go, oh, yeah, I've heard about that. That's like muscle memory, right? Well, I try to be as gentle as possible when I reply that your muscles don't actually have a memory and have no way to store a memory. I gently try to explain that what is commonly thought of as muscle memory is something called procedural memory. Procedural memory is stored in the brain, not the muscles. And procedural memory can be thought of skills such as tying your shoes, riding your bike, or any other thing that you do automatically. There is virtually nothing that cannot be learned so well that it can become automatic. Brain scans have revealed that brain activity in beginning piano players, even when they're playing an easy piece, is much higher, their brain activity is much higher than expert pianists who are playing a more difficult piece. In fact, expert piano players can have involved conversations even when they're playing a complex piece of music when their fingers are flying up and down the keyboard. Their memory for how to play isn't in their muscles. They can play intricate pieces while thinking of something else because they have practiced so much. Well, that's why they're experts. The memory for how to play is stored in the brain region known as the cerebellum. When a person is first learning a skill, their whole brain is working as hard as it can. With practice, that skill becomes a routine that is stored in the cerebellum, which has been called the butler or the little brain. And the cerebellum can act seemingly independent of the larger conscious part of the brain. If you have ever watched top-level professional dancers or musicians or athletes, they seem to push against what seems to be possible. And they often do it effortlessly. Now, the effort was actually put in years before with day-in, day-out practice that made that seemingly impossible task through years of practice become a procedural memory, which happens through routine. I suggest that on the world's biggest stage, the Olympics, very few athletes are consciously thinking during their event. Their expertise has become routine. Will that work for the skill of having good ideas? Can you make good ideas a routine if you practice the exercises over and over and over? Good question. I don't know of anyone who's a professional ideaist. As mentioned in earlier episodes, there must be some level of expertise in the area where you hope to have a good idea. I suggest Stephen King, one of my favorite authors, who is ridiculously prolific and seems to turn out a new book every day, is a professional ideaist. I can only imagine, and maybe one day in my wildest dreams, we could get Stephen King to be a guest on this podcast, but I really wonder about his method, his procedure. How does he coax ideas from his mind? How does he work with himself? Because it's one way, it's an easy way to characterize your subconscious as a different thing than you. But the reality is, it is you. My unconscious is me. 
So I can only imagine, as much as I'm fascinated by Stephen King's product, I'm much more fascinated by his process. If you've listened to the previous episodes, then you might be familiar with relaxation, engagement, sophisms, and precognition. If you are not, or even if you are familiar with those things, here's a quick recap. When a person is in a certain type of relaxation that we'll call an alpha state, and when they are mentally engaged in low stakes but enjoyable cognitive tasks, good ideas are more likely to be assembled by the unconscious. That unconscious moment, right before a good idea arrives into awareness, is called precognition. The creativity algorithm advocates that getting into that precognitive mental state will encourage good ideas to happen more often. As mentioned above, when first learning a skill, the whole brain is active. It's difficult. It takes effort. But if enough practice is done, the neural activity becomes condensed, organized, and moves to the cerebellum where it becomes routine. So how many instances of practicing relaxed engagement will it take to make getting a good idea a routine? I think there are way too many variables to make that prediction for any given person. But the theory is sound and is based on another psychological concept called neuroplasticity. Neuroplasticity is the idea that the physical brain will change in response to environmental or cognitive circumstances. That means, over time, a person's thoughts will change their brain. I'm going to re-say that because it's so amazing. Your thoughts, what you're thinking right now, and what you think over time can change your brain. You can see where we're going with this. If you practice relaxation, and if you practice with sophisms, and get to that state of precognitive relaxed engagement, and make that a habit or routine, you can change your brain so that good ideas will come more often. Let's use the metaphor of walking in a dense forest. At first, it's difficult. Branches are blocking your path. Leaves are piled up. They're hiding rocks and roots. You're tripping. You can't see where you're going. But the second time you walk on that path, you can see where you walked. It still isn't easy, but at least you might remember where that hidden route was that tripped you. After a while, the path gets more worn down and more worn down and becomes easier to use. With more use, the path becomes easier to walk. That's how learning a skill works. The more you do it, the easier it becomes. The easier it becomes, the more you're going to do it. So let's practice what we're here for. Let's relax. Give our mind something to play with and see what pops up. If it's difficult, that's okay. Nothing worthwhile was ever easy. You are literally reshaping your brain to make a path for good ideas to get from your unconscious to your conscious. If you don't have a relaxation routine yet, that's okay. Soon you will. Relaxation and finding that alpha state we've talked about will become even easier for you. If you don't have a routine yet, here's an idea. Just search for what's called an animated breathing GIF. You know, did the dot GAF. And I'm pretty sure it's GIF, even though it stands for graphic interface format. Sorry if I dorked out on you. So search for an animated breathing GIF. And ideally, what's going to pop up is a little animated cartoon of maybe a circle. And the circle is going to expand slowly for four seconds. And when that circle is expanding, that's when you're going to inhale. And when that circle's contracting slightly, that's where you're going to exhale. Breathe with that animation for four times, and then consider this. If you were lifting 100 pounds in a gym, 
you would not notice if a butterfly landed on the weight. In fact, anything under two pounds wouldn't be noticeable. The percentage of weight that is noticeable is 2%. So if you are lifting 100 pounds and your personal trainer adds one pound, you wouldn't physically be able to notice the change. Now, what if the personal trainer kept doing that? All of a sudden, and without you being aware, if that personal trainer slipped on an extra pound, you would be lifting 101 pounds. You are now doing 1% more work. You are 1% stronger. Then your trainer adds another pound. Now you're lifting 102 without even being aware of it. Where will this end if you can't notice the increase? If you are unaware of the change but adapt anyway, what happened in your mind? Will this instance of relaxing and playing with the sophism of noticing a change in stimuli allow for a good idea to arrive from your subconscious? Maybe. Maybe you're just still making the path easier to walk. But if you keep doing it someday, the path will be wide enough so that a good idea can easily pass through. Takeaway. Work with that animated GIF that you searched up that has a breathing pattern. Now, remember I talked about uh, a physical trainer, a personal trainer at the gym? I want you to make an appointment, but not with that personal trainer. Make an appointment for yourself, with yourself, for three times a week for a mental workout. Do the breathing exercise, then ponder what is called the just noticeable difference. Remember, we talked about that a little bit with the weight. The just noticeable difference for weights was 2%. You can't notice a 1% difference in weight. Could you notice a 1% difference in volume? What about taste? Saltiness? Now, here's where it's going to get very meta. Can you notice a 1% change in your relaxation? I don't know if you could notice an increase in your relaxation because I think noticing would prevent or reduce relaxation. So how are you going to improve relaxation if you can't measure it? Spreading the thoughts. If you're bored at work or home, spill a bit of salt or sugar on the counter. Place one crystal, one crystal of salt or sugar on your tongue. Okay, get the taste. Then, maybe you have to use tweezers, put another crystal of salt or sugar on your tongue. Did you notice the difference? That's a 100% increase. You doubled the stimulation. Did you notice it? How many more grains of salt or sugar will it take you to notice the difference? Play with this concept. Can you notice a difference in volume or pitch? If you're curious about this, do a search for an online tone generator or just type in tone generator website. That's going to bring you up to something that will easily allow you to play a tone at different frequencies. And I'd like you to see if you can notice a tone with 440 hertz and then move it to 441 hertz. Could you notice that tone? I think noticing differences is one way to improve, one way to reflect on our progress. Once you're comfortable with playing with that website, challenge your coworkers. Ask them or find out what is the smallest difference that they can notice in tone, or if you know them really well, what is the smallest difference in salt crystals they can know. Maybe in the break room, maybe when the boss isn't looking, you can spill some salt and try this out. Then, of course, tell them about the creativity algorithm. Next episode, Out of Shape Personal Trainer.